You want to join? No. I don't know what that's going on there. That's interesting. All right, here we go. Uh, hello, hello, and welcome. Hopefully, you guys are hearing me. Let me change the sound. Go. Uh, yeah, okay. Do I sound echoey? I think I'm sounding echoey. You are... Sounding through you good. What the fuck are you drinking, Wolf? Jesus. Uh, all right, please bear with us for tech difficulties. We did not have a show last week because my computer died completely. I did not have a computer for like five days. And when I got it back, I had to reinstall all of these programs. And some of the settings, many of the settings are correct. And some of them are not. Damn it, the mic is picking up. Wolf, just talk. We're fixing shit. What's going on? So, remember the thing we were trying to do to make the picture-in-picture work? Yes. And it was picking up the microphone instead of actually grabbing the audio right? Doing that. Okay, how do we fix that? Is it is it really horrifically bad, or can I just be? Am I a little echoey? Because I can just deal with that for one show. I don't hear an echo on you right it now. It sounds fine. Okay. I cool. don't hear an echo either. All right. Uh, so we'll just go. I don't know what the hell is going on that I hear an echo and Wolf hears an echo. You people on the show. You. You. How is it good? Sounds fine. Citizen. Hey, Kate. Kate, come come join us. Come join us uh, if you if you can. We're gonna talk. It's only echoing because of listening on Discord and the audio live. Okay, so if it's not bad for the people out there, that's okay. No echo. All right, fine. We'll just ignore that then. I am going to be drinking heavily through this show. It's gonna be one of those nights. All right. Uh, Raxless Maxless sounds fine to me. Winter mute, no echo. Uh, I can hear you. Sounds fine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're good. Katie, please come and join us. We're going to talk about Starfield. It's going to be a big open panel discussion. We're going to talk a lot. So come and join us. Um, you've got the channel, right? She's she and Roy should always have the channel as well as the other yes. special guests. All right, and yep. and Shadow Wyvern is going to keep the channel as well. Hey, Katie, what's up? Good evening, everybody. Welcome, uh, Katie. All right. Welcome. Glad to have you. Yes, yes. Let's let's go around the horn. First off, um, with us tonight, I I am drinking dragon's milk uh, heavily. Uh, lots of them. I have many of them. 
Uh, let's go around the horn and say hi to everybody, see how everybody is. Uh, that that explained, I think, why we didn't have a show last week, because I, I literally did not have a computer for the entire weekend. It was not fun. Um, Chad, say hello to the beautiful people and tell them what you're drinking tonight. <laughs> hello, beautiful people. I'm drinking a Lipton diet, green tea, pineapple, and mango. Nice, nice. Yeah. Wolf, what you drinking? I have got a Glen Cairn of the six and twenty Carolina Roja. This stuff is so good. Nice that bottle. I'm gonna be sad when I kill it. Nice, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, Wolf and I are doing tech support, so we're both drinking heavily. Katie, how are you doing tonight? We've missed you. We've missed you, Chica. Welcome back. I have back. missed you guys too, and it's very lovely that you invited me to jump in. Um, things are going well. Things are going really well. And I I just saw your machinima. It was awesome. We have been having a ton of fun um, putting those together, but I will tell you that, oh my God, do I have so <laughs> much respect for the people who made like Sandstorm and videos like that. It's so much work to coordinate those things. I cannot imagine how much work they had to put in to make those extended, like full machinima videos with the camera angles and the movements and yeah, lots of respect. Beautiful, beautiful, right on. Lady Raincloud, how you doing? What you drinking? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm gonna get fucking sloshed tonight, so I decided to have some Jose Cuervo 14.5% strawberry lime margarita, because... Why not? It's one of those days! Hell yeah. Hi, everybody! Hello, hello. Alright, Shadow Wyvern, how you doing? What you drinking tonight? Salutations, I am drinking water. Hey, yep. that's a smart choice. And tweaked. What kind of special smancy fancy coffee you got tonight, brother? Yeah, yeah, just the uh, standby blueberry cobbler coffee. Okay, all right, good deal. But it is good, and it's. I don't know why I want hot coffee tonight, being as it's like eighty-five degrees out here right now. But it's Friday night. Why not? Right on. Plenty lined up for a little while later, though. Of course. Nice, nice. And for just the same as reason I eat ice cream in the winter. There you go. And just as a heads up, we may have some more pop-ins as the show goes on. I've invited some people who are streaming and they and are doing stuff, and they're like, oh, okay, if I can make it, I'm going to hop in for this combo. So we're going to push some things around. We're going to do some things different. You know us. We're not afraid to change up the format and, and, and you know, move all kinds of stuff. Uh, speaking of the format... Uh, let's just address the fact that in addition to the show, you know, not happening last week because the computer tech issues and whatever tech issues come up tonight and in the coming weeks, um, I just want to say we're going to change up the format a little bit. The show was getting to the point where we were having a bunch of four hour shows, uh, like four hours, four and a half hours. And that's cool sometimes and sometimes not so much. Uh, I think I want to try to keep the show to around two hours or so, uh, maybe even a little less, hour, two hours, whatever, a little more manageable. We're going to change some things around. Um, <clears throat> so real life science, sometimes we'll have a big topic, sometimes we'll have a little one. Tonight, I'll be honest with you, because we're doing tech shit, I'm going to just go off the top of the dome. I'm just going to talk freestyle and like no notes, no prep, no anything. Uh, with regard to the TV shows for Thing a Week and the games. So TV shows, <clears throat> we've been covering like, you know, week on week, episode on episode. And I think I just want to cover 
when something big drops and then when it ends sort of sum up in a spoiler free fashion the, the show for for that season uh, with regard to games we're still going to obviously be covering other space games um <clears throat> we will always cover star citizen we will always cover no man's sky I apologize for anyone who this hits hard, but I have no interest in covering Elite Dangerous. It is no longer fucking relevant to me. They literally wrote it off on their corporate taxes at the year. They were like, yep, we're done. Uh, they, 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 they had it amortized out, and they just canceled it. I can pick on Elite Dangerous all week. I could do a rant, 40-minute long rant, every fucking week on Elite Dangerous, but that feels... Honestly, like now I'm just kicking the guy who's already laying on the ground bleeding. I don't want to do that. I loved that game. I did. I loved that game with all of my heart. That game was, oh my God. And, and it still is. The original Elite Dangerous. If you haven't played it yet, wait for it to be on sale for seven bucks. Buy it. It's a beautiful, amazing game. It is on sale for seven bucks. It right is now. a beautiful, amazing game that they fucking squandered. And so I'm not going to cover it anymore unless or until something happens, like worth covering. If, if they turn it around, I will hop back in because I loved that game. But as it stands now, all I can do is criticize them, and that's just boring, man. I don't want to be Yamex. I don't want to fucking rant all night. I know some people love that. You get There's a thing called hate clicks where you get massive views on YouTube. I don't want to be that guy. I just don't. Um, I'm sorry. So that's where it is. We're not covering Elite as, as of now anymore, but we're always open to format changes. You know, Starfield, when it comes out, may be a thing that we cover weekly uh there's a a secret game that nobody's supposed to talk about that amazon game studios is making that is a full space mmo they got what's that guy's name richard smedley the guy who made everquest one and two is leading it heading it up and they've been working on it from amazon san diego in secret for like four years now and they're going to announce it at some point later this year don't ask me how i know and like you know, whatever. Other games of the space genre will pop up. And if something massive comes up in, in other games or in Elite, then, you know, we'll cover it again. But as of right now, it honestly feels like I'm just, like, picking on the cripple. And I, I, I don't want to do that, man. That, 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 that just doesn't feel right to me. If I was some big content creator that, like, depended on this for my livelihood, then, yeah, maybe I'll farm hate clicks for money. But I don't give a fuck. I'm a dr drunk Marine in his underwear. I talk about what I want to talk about because it's fun and because it, it brings me joy. I don't give a shit about the money. If you want to donate to our Patreon or fucking, I don't know, whatever, that's fine. We're, we're never, ever going to be sponsored by anybody uh, other than random dudes who send me booze and then we'll call them out. But like, like real sponsorships where I accept money, like I don't want to do that. It feels weird feels weird attaching money to stuff that I love. So I'm just not going to do it. I talk about what I want to talk about. And I invite the people that I like to hear from on to talk with me. And that's it. Like, I'm not chasing clicks. So that's the format of the show. Uh, unless anybody has a comment they want to add to that or, or whatever, we can move on. Anybody have anything? All right.
So let's get to real life science. Again, drunk Marine in his underwear. Zero notes typed up. What's going on in the last couple weeks? Well, first off, Boca Chica got their Fonzie. Hey. For those who don't know, the Fonzie is from the FAA. It's a finding of no significant impact. Fonzie. Hey. Basically, it's a limited thing that says that they can fucking launch shit from Boca Chica, right? But with a couple of, like, there's some restrictions that make sense, and there's some restrictions that are just stupid federal law bullshit. Like, they have to, like, only use certain lights or have them covered during certain times because it'll fuck with the local turtles on the beach nearby. Like, the turtles spawn based on whatever with the moon, and if you have a big enough light, people worry that it may fuck with the turtles' migration habits. I'm in favor of that. Like, yeah. If that's going to actually hurt, like, local animal life, yeah, that, that makes sense. They have to donate money to the Adopt an Ocelot fucking foundation. All right. That's a little more questionable, but, but hey, man, nature, life, okay, whatever. They have to pay off some small amount of donation to a local tackle shop. All right, go fuck yourself. Bullshit, whatever. They have to write a book, like, literally, Elon Musk has to write a book report about a thing with the Civil War? Because apparently a big Civil War, or not a big, but a notable Civil War battle happened in that area. Like, so... Elon Musk has to write a book report. So he has to pay a guy to write a book. Let's be honest. A billionaire is not going to write a book report about an obscure civil war battle. But, like, he has to pay a guy to do that. Like, some of this shit is awesome as far as, like, hey, take care of the local wildlife. I, I 100% agree. Some of it is, like, hey, you need to have something involved for, like, what if there's an explosion? What if there's some kind of a, a, a local, like, uh, um damage to the, like local wildlife or if you have to if a, if a rocket explodes 10 seconds after it takes off and it falls into the water you got to clean that shit up like that stuff good reasonable makes sense the other stuff book reports on the civil war or whatever it's like oh okay whatever federal government bullshit um spacex launched three flights in under 36 hours that's pretty cool and amazing uh, so, ah, <sighs> uh, you muted yourself. No, I didn't mute myself. I'm just trying to think of how to, this part is depressing as fuck. There's more bullshit with regard to, there's a new round of like NASA, uh, federal budget stuff that came out where the, the, the federal government, remember how we talked a couple weeks ago about how, like, hey, what needs to change? Yeah, they're doing nothing different. They doubled down the federal budget. They doubled down on, like, hey, you have to spend more money on this bullshit SLS that is just a jobs program for people in Alabama uh, and Colorado. And, like, we're not going to... Like, they gutted more money from the landing part and the gateway part and that uh, eccentric orbit thing uh, and and put more money into SLS, which is just dog shit program. Uh, Vulcan had a bad launch. They, they launched and, and, and were a, they failed to uh, get to uh, orbit. That was their second success. They, they have had two successes out of the last seven launch opportunities. So like that was their fifth failure 
out well out of the last seven attempts. Um, SLS failed another fuel load test. Uh, they had a hydrogen leak, so it would be a, a mission scrap. And they're literally cu- counting that as a partial success because some of the stuff went right. Like, oof. Right now, the ISS is entirely dependent on Russia for uh, maneuver and boost thrust. We have nothing right now that can do it, that is assigned to it under the federal budget. And China just announced two things. Number one, that they had like found... They, the China has the, the largest uh, um, telescope array right now. Uh, and they just announced that they had multiple findings of alien intelligent signals. Like they said, hey, we have credible reasons to believe because it's along the hydrogen line and it's a repeating pattern and it's a, a microburst and it is a strong frequency burst. Like we have reason to believe that we found intelligent life in space. And then like, within like a day they pulled it down now could that be because they the scientist that was involved is you know jumped the gun and they're like hey man this hasn't been peer-reviewed this is really fucking reckless of you to post this or is it because they don't want us to know what information they have who knows um and the other the other big thing is so so nasa has planned on a recovery mission in 2033 to bring back Mars soil samples and stuff. They're doing all this stuff with uh, multiple rover missions, and they've had all of this stuff to collect samples. And in 2033 is the planned time to return that stuff to Earth. And China just said, oh, yeah, we're going to do it in 2031. Now, in fairness to NASA, I should say this. Our program was much deeper and collected much more samples of a more scientifically um, interesting and relevant nature. Theirs was much slow, like smaller in scope. And they are like, well, we're going to return it and beat you by two years. So in, like our samples are going to be better and more scientifically relevant, but for the just the straight i mean china's doing it for the pr value for the straight pr value of the first humans to bring uh soil samples and and bring back uh actual uh regolith and 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 actual hard physical data from mars if they do it they're going to beat us by a couple of years and that's a big prestige thing let's be honest the the missions to the moon were of limited you know, the Apollo missions were of limited scientific value. It was mostly a PR thing of us to put the Russians dick in the dirt. And we beat the Soviets. And if, if everything goes according to stated plans, the Chinese are going to beat us. Maybe this is the thing that lights a fire under, you know, Congress to get the fuck out of the way and the American people to, like, prioritize space again. I, who knows, man? I... I don't know. Those are the things off the top of my dome that happened in the last two weeks in the realm of sort of science stuff. There's been some other things that have happened. There's there's stuff with James Webb coming soon and whatever, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. So I just wanted to bring those up briefly and then throw it to anybody on the panel who wants to hop in on any of those. Anybody have anything? 
I think we should nominate Swordsmith to be the one that writes the book report for the uh, Civil War thing, because either he knows about it, and then we'll have an in, or uh, maybe he'll t finally have something else to talk about other than old naval battles. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Personally, I hope somebody gives NASA a kick up the backside, because... China's not going to wait for anybody. They're going to go full steam ahead. So if China don't, if so if NASA don't get their act together, they're going to be left in the past, and China's just going to race ahead of everyone. You're a hundred percent right. Like literally, the 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 Russian space program is in full on free fall. As is honestly the American space program. Neither of them are going anywhere. Uh, honestly. What this is, is China is chugging full steam ahead and SpaceX is kicking ass and ULA, to the extent that they have the opportunity to get involved, is doing stuff, but they're beholding to Congress. So that's kind of, they're kind of hamstrung. If it weren't for China, if it was literally just between the Russians and the Americans, we would not, and 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 not SpaceX, if, if it wasn't for SpaceX and China, it'd be a hundred years before we got to Mars. But because there is China, you know, SpaceX is doing what it's doing, and that's huge. China is the thing that if, if there's any one thing that's going to catalyze the American people, that's going to actually get the American government to get its head out of its own ass, it's China. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, let's move on to thing a week. We've got uh, one. So as I said, we're not going to cover any more on thing a week like what happened on this week's episode of Man Who Fell to Earth or the Oroville or Obi-Wan or whatever. Obi-Wan will cover next week for the season finale. I haven't seen it yet. I've had a lot of stuff that I was getting to. But I will say that um, For All Mankind is fucking killing it. The Oroville, amazing this week. Uh, uh, Star, ooh, Star Trek had another Black Mirror episode. Like, there are good shows out there. Go and check it out. But what we are going to do is we're going to cover n either things that are new or just things that we haven't talked about before on the show and or, you know, uh, as a season wraps up of a show that we're covering. So this week, we're going to talk about a show called The First. The First was a show that was a Hulu original. I think it was made like in conjunction with uh, one of those British, like not the BBC, I think TV Channel 4 or ITV or one of them. And it was a it's a Hulu original. It stars Sean Penn and Natasha McElhoney. Natasha basically so Sean Penn is playing the Mars version of Neil Armstrong. He's like, you know, the the super, you know, the captain of the mission. Natasha McElhoney is playing, you know, female Elon Musk. She's this tech genius billionaire who is you know, coming up with this idea of doing the, like, is, is, is like funding or is the contractor that is doing the mission to Mars. I'm going to play you the trailer for it and then we're going to talk about it. And I'm also going to share with you, uh, in the chat right now and it'll be in the show notes. Oh, control Z. Hold on. Control Z. Control C. All right, here is the stuff for that show, and we're going to play the trailer, so check it out and enjoy. Aurora. 
that altitude, you can touch it. Every color. Colors you've never seen before. Lights moving all around you. The universe. And it's right there. think of Sagan's words. Every human being that ever was lived out their lives on a mark of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Any time people venture into the unknown, there is a cost. Oh, man. Okay, so let's talk about this show. This is a show that only has eight episodes. It went for one season and then got canceled. I binge-watched all eight episodes back-to-back. They're anywhere from 45 to 48 minutes long, basically hour-long shows accounting for American commercial habits. Um, Let me switch back to uh, some B-roll for the show. Um, It was a really good show. Now... This isn't going to be for everyone. Let me just upfront say, if you want the hardcore sort of sci-fi techie uh, feel of a show, you definitely want a show that's much more like Mars on National Geographic that they did three seasons and it was amazeballs. Um, This show is much more, if you remember, if you guys remember the Netflix show from like a year ago called Away that starred uh, the chick from Million Dollar Baby and and, and, uh, those other people, it is, uh, it's it's much more diving into the touchy-feely side of it, more like the the impact on the astronauts and their their wives and children and... um, you know, like the things that are involved with regard to doing a mission like that and the sacrifices that people make to be in the program. I I also liked, it does have good, it does have some good science stuff in it. It also deals with tragedy, stuff like, you know, like the Challenger type situation or uh, like the crew that lost their lives in the Apollo program. It it deals with, uh, it has a really good side effect of like it, it, it just dealing with their lives and you see everybody has these little like glasses that are full on like VR screens that you can sync up and you can share with people and see stuff they have little watch phones and it's dealing with like what I imagine sort of to a certain extent life will be like living in the 2030s to 2040s it has like some neat little future tech cars and and stuff that's thrown in the the story the core story that i uh told is is, is or sorry that they told in this is definitely um 
interesting. And like I said, it, it's much more like a way where it is absolutely about the lives and the sacrifices made by the first people who will go to Mars and the risk involved, but viewing it through the lens of a much more emotional, character-driven standpoint than rather just focusing hardcore, super hardcore on the tech. Uh, eight episodes. It was a show from 2018. They canceled it. I, I posted in uh, the chat a link to the wiki about the show. But I honestly, you know, I'm, I'm sad that it's not going forward. I loved this show. I loved Away. Uh, I didn't love it to the extent like For All Mankind or like it wasn't high, high, like, okay, this is an absolute heartbreak that it's not going on. But like it was really good and told an interesting story. Um, anybody have any comments they want to chime in on this one? Let's see. Go ahead. The trailer made me want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. No, okay. I did. I did see it when it first came out. My wife is a big Sean Penn fan. Yeah, I liked it too. It was more of a character study than than sci-fi, but there's still some science stuff in it, and it deals with tragedy and, as you said, all the things that entail such mm. a perilous, perilous mission. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm seeing a note from Wolf here, so I'm moving the thing so you'll see the banner and all the chat overlay in the future. All right. Uh, yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. So check it out. Uh, the first debuted on Channel 4 ahead of Hulu, says Wintermute. Good call. Like I said, I knew it was uh, whatever. It's listed as Hulu original on the thing, but I knew it was done in conjunction with some one of the British channels. I, I thought it was really, really good. All right. Unless there's anything else, let's hop on. Let's get on to the next topic. There's a game that you guys absolutely have to. And when I say have to, I mean have to hear about. It's fucking amazing. Uh, I'm going to play the trailer and then we're going to talk about it. It's called Mars Horizon. it meant to get there. How it would change everything. We knew it was our destiny to step foot on Mars. So we didn't let anything stop us. All right, let's talk a little bit about this game. In Mars Horizon, you take control of a major space agency, leading it through the dawn of the space age through to the landing of astronauts on Mars and beyond as you develop Mars. 
You guide your agency through uh, the space race and write your alternate history of space travel. Any of the agencies can be the first to land on the moon if you make the right choices and, and to be the first to get any of these milestones. You manage the numerous challenges faced then and now. Uh, hold on, there we go. Why is this not, why is that not playing? That seems super weird. Hold on one second. <clears throat> All right, there we go. You create your own space agency uh, and base with launch pads, research labs, astronaut training facilities, and more. You construct custom vehicles from hundreds of combinations. You launch satellites and cruise spacecraft to explore and space stations to explore the solar system. You run mission control as you solve various challenges and turn-based missions to earn scientific advancement and public support. You recreate famous missions conducted by NASA, the ESA, the CNSA, JAXA, and Roscosmos, including the Perseverance Rover, Ingenuity Helicopter, Zhurong Rover, and Rosetta Space Probe missions. You explore an extensive tech tree and complete, compete or collaborate with other agencies to plot uh, your roadmap to space. You choose from five unique agencies. So like I said, you can be either NASA, which is America. You can be Roscosmos, which is the Soviets slash Russia. You can be the CNSA, which is China. You could be the ESA, which is Europe. You can be JAXA. Or you can go into the settings and you can custom create your own space group. There's a guy here that I have a link that I'm going to share with you uh, whose name is Skystorm, who streamed this. He did several playthroughs each con you know including like a dozen episodes of like an hour long each and in it he did custom things like he literally uh like created in, through one of his playthroughs he created spacex you can go through and customize and say okay i want to have most of nasa's you know things like the layout of their the base or whatever but i want to do I want to focus on these things, these pluses and minuses of the tech tree. So you take some minuses because you're not a government body, but you get some pluses on being more efficient. You can do all of that in this game, and it's fucking amazeballs. You build with unlimited freedom in full sandbox mode. It is 100% turn-based. Now... There's some people that are not going to like this game. If you're like, hey man, I want to fly around in a spaceship and pew 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 with aliens, you are not going to like this game. If you're a NASA nerd like me, you're going to fucking love this game. I have seen people in the chat here saying like, oh, looks like Kerbal. Sort of. It's a lot dumbed down from Kerbal. Kerbal can be very, very heavy on the, the actual physics of launching and whatever, and this is dumbed down from that, but it's like if you take a sort of simplified version of Kerbal and you cross it with one of the early like Civilization 2 or Civilization 3 games of like researching tech trees and building up through time and competing with other agencies. I will say this, this game right now is part of the Steam Summer Sale. You can get it, it normally costs 20 bucks. You can buy it right now for 10 dollars yes it is absolutely sim nasa except for if you're doing if you're playing as nasa you're like literally 
unlocking NAS. You're like, oh, I'm going to have a, a, an Atlas V uh, booster stage with a Delta upper stage. It has stuff like that. If you are doing it from the, if you're playing Asteros Cosmos, you are downloading, you are like researching Russian, famous Russian rockets. If you are playing as China, you're doing like the Long March 1, the Long March 2, all of their rockets and booster stages. It is absolutely a management game. It is absolutely turn-based, not Twitch-based. It is... I've played this game basically all week. I should have done more show prep for this show, but I was playing this game up to and including today. I've played through like four playthroughs as NASA and have just, I've done focused on different things each time. When this show is done, I shit you not, as tired as I am, I'm going to fire it back up. I am in love with this game and right now you can get it for $10. I cannot anymore recommend this game. I posted the link to Skystorm, spelled S-K-Y-E-S-T-O-R-M-E. This guy has done like, he's got like 40, 50 hours of different playthroughs of him playing as, mostly as ESA, because he's a European dude and he, you know, whatever. That's why I've played mostly as NASA. Um, but like, this is just a gem of a game. If you're looking to actually fly the ship and shoot lasers and mine in space, this game is not for you. But if you were a super duper old school space nut and just want to literally get to like just dominate first to the moon, first to Mars, first to whatever, you just keep as you do more and more stuff and build up your bases, you unlock more and more things. Honestly, this is one of those games like Deliver Us Mars or sorry, Deliver Us the Moon that I talked about a couple weeks ago that it was like, it's just a little gem. This game is a fucking gem i i've this week alone i've put in 100 hours playing this game and i can see myself putting in a thousand more before i'm done because like i just i love this game so much you hire your own astronauts and they have different traits and you get you build on your base facilities to train them further and then get to unlock tr more traits of them like, and you can name them. I, I, I have Alan Shepard, Alan B. Shepard. I have Gus Grissom. I have Neil Armstrong. Like, these are all guys that I have on my roster that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a mission and I'm going to send, I'm going to send Gus Grissom and Neil Armstrong and they're going to Mars. Let's do this shit. Um, yeah, and you can play this game also on the Xbox Series X. And and yeah, it, it is an Xbox game, obviously, as you see on the, the logo on the screen there as well. God damn, this game is good. I want to open it up. Just anybody, no dots, just hop in. Who wants to hop in on this one? I would say that definitely is not my normal type of game mm -hmm. that I would typically like. I'm more of the uh, fly my ship, pew, pew, mm -hmm. pew kind of guy. Yep. But the role-playing game, the RPG aspect of it, where you're improving your roster, your astronauts, all that kind of, that sounds very intriguing to me. That sounds interesting. And you are not, again, to be clear, you are not the mission commander. You're playing as the, like, the administrator of NASA. So you're the guy in the control booth that's controlling things. And even then, that's actually more, 
that would be uh, the mission commander. Uh, you're, but but you're playing every aspect of it from a management side. And then when you get to the missions, when you're doing stuff where it's like go for translunar orbit, go for you know geosynchronous orbit, go for uh, satellite communications, whatever. There's like a mini game of like, oh, you have to collect this many data and this many navs and this many burns. And sometimes you have to deal with heat dissipation. Sometimes you have to deal with drift. Sometimes you have to deal with boost uh, to get into a stable orbit. And it's like a, it's a little mini game that's just like click, click, click. It's not it's not like, you know, hotas game. It is a mouse and, and whatever or a, a controller click the buttons game. But like it's fucking perfect um anybody else want to hop in on this before we move on yeah. to go ahead yeah this kind of reminds me of uh what was that buzz aldrin's race to space um yep. i'm kind of showing my age um there's like a little management space sim kind of thing and um obviously definitely getting Kerbal vibes but that's going to happen no matter what you do with these types of more sim tycoon management oriented space games mm-hmm this looks really cool. Um, I'll have to unfortunately miss the Steam sale, though, and grab it another time when I have money. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Anybody else before we move on? All right. Look cool. Oh. Looks really cool. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Might check it out. <laughs> Ten bucks. You cannot go wrong. It, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Sam, I'll probably be picking it up when I have money as well. Hell yeah. I have no cash. So the other, yeah. the other game that we're going to talk about this week with regard to you know the non main games that we cover is Starfield but we're going to put that as a round table discussion at the end of the show so that means we're hopping straight into No Man's Sky and we got a little video from somebody you may recognize here we go Salutations we've been visiting the Temple of Amsu by Nuki Triple Zero so let's see some pics. Telemon, roll VT. No, you're not auditioning for Starfield. <laughs> All right. So uh, <clears throat> that was the, I post the link in the chat. That was Shadow Wyvern and Wintermute who contributed a bunch of slides. They did a, visited to, a visit to the Temple of Amsu base, throwing off very strong sort of ancient Egypt slash uh, Stargate vibes of a, a, a alien Egyptian temple looking kind of thing with the pyramid in the background. It is a neat little base that you should go and check out. <clears throat> in addition to that, on No Man's Sky, we've got Expedition Update. There are two weeks left to go. It ends on July 5th. Currently, X rank modules are unlocked. Now, I know you might be thinking, hey man, there's only two weeks left on this thing. Maybe it's too late for me to start. You're dead wrong. 
For those thinking that you're too late, Jason Plays put out a video on how to finish the Leviathan Expedition in under one hour. I posted a link to the chat, or I'm going to right now. Here we go. Here's a link to the chat. Oh. There you go. Go and check that out. You can get this done. I'm going to do it this weekend. I've been holding off, but I'm going to do it this weekend. Um, yeah, it's time to get this expedition done because it ends on the 5th of July, more or less. In addition to that, uh, Hello Games have announced that they are going to uh, be releasing <laughs> No Man's Sky on the Switch, as we told you. Uh, it's coming on October 7th. Check this little video out. This is the Nintendo Switch version of No Man's Sky. Honestly, I think this team is never happier than when they're trying to do these near impossible things. We've been updating No Man's Sky for six years now. And every Switch player will benefit from that from day one. But we won't stop there. There's so much we want to do in the future. It's incredible that you can pick up the Switch and suddenly you're jumping from planet to planet seamlessly. We're so lucky to have one of the most welcoming communities out there. We can't wait for people to play this for themselves. All right, so, yeah. They're launching in October. Oh, let me turn the volume down on this. Sorry. Uh, they're launching in October. For me, like, you're literally, you're talking about basically the same thing as, like, the similar thing to putting No Man's Sky on a fucking Game Boy. Like, that's crazy. Now, it does look like, at least at launch, it's going to be single player only, but, like, you're on a little handheld device. What do you expect? I just think that's amazing. Um, no Man's Sky continuing to kill it. Just just putting out more and more content. Does anybody have anything they want to talk about on any of these um, No Man's Sky subjects before we move on to Star Citizen? I do really hope they figure out how to get um, some sort of online play going with that. I... I can completely understand the whole a switch is not always connected to the internet, so you know give them give people who own that a chance to play. But mm. the most fun I've ever had playing No Man's Sky is going to look at things that other people made, mm -hmm. which in the the generated universe, notionally mm -hmm. that single player existence won't have, um, and join up with your buddies and do stuff, and you know just to get that that full cross platform thing going for <coughs> lots of lulls and shenanigans. Well, so. With regard to the things that other people made, you can still visit those because the locations will still be there even in single-player mode. But you're right. It, you will not have the co-op abilities that you have in the multiplayer mode. But, like, again, just to be clear, they're not taking anything away from the functionality of our version of No Man's Sky. This is just for, you know, eight-year-olds playing on a fucking modern Game Boy. They're going to be playing a single-player version to start. 
that doesn't like the single player version of No Man's Sky on the computer started as single player, and then they added in other stuff. So who knows what'll happen down the line? But I just this project. Let's be honest. No Man's Sky doesn't have news for sort of a couple months at a time, and then they do have news because they don't talk much. Whatever they just drop shit. But I love this project. I will continue to support this project for the foreseeable future, which means talking about them and showing off a little something here and there. It only takes a couple minutes. This is a great game, a great project. You should support it if you have any interest at all in space games. Anybody else before we move on to Star Citizen? I um, Go ahead. I was just going to say that um, Sean actually seemed kind of happy in the video, and the thing that I am most happy about is hearing him say it. We've done this for six years, and we're still not done. We have so much more we want to do. I'm really looking forward to our journey continues because that's the end of all of their old trailers and stuff. They don't really do that so much anymore. Um, but also kind of wary of the day where that doesn't happen anymore. So I'm, I'm, I want to know where they're going over the next few years because I think we're going to be getting a lot of really cool stuff. I'll be honest with you. I don't share your belief, your your feeling of being wary about when they whatever. If they were to tomorrow announce we've got a new No Man's Sky patch and this is the final one, I have more than gotten my money's worth from this project. They have absolutely whatever, but they literally, you're absolutely right. In this video, he's like, we've got so much more we want to do, and I'm like. Jesus, this is going to be the first project in the history of mankind where the customers are going, hey, man, charge us for more DLC. Do something, like something, because they just keep giving yeah. and giving and giving. They have, if they never delivered another thing ever, they've more than given us our money's worth. But they keep going more and more and more. Shadow? Um, yeah, it's great to see Sean in a visual way where he doesn't look like a frightened rabbit when he's receiving an award. Mm. Um, I think what HG have shown over recent years that they're willing to put the investment into the background tech. So they've put in the money to develop the engine to the point where they can just roll it out onto new platforms over time. And for a game like No Man's Sky, which doesn't rely on cosmetics to fund it, it really does need to <coughs> continuously expand its potential player base in order to keep the money coming in, in order to keep the game being developed. So I think this is great. It's great for the future. And I can't wait to see what he does next with the forthcoming updates this year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 100%. All right. Let's move on to Star Citizen. We're going to start you off with Inside Star Citizen. Get a, a beer and chill because it's eight minutes of video, and then we're going to talk about it. <laughs> As the team, we will always wanted to make the derelict more enjoyable and fun for the player. The new addition of the planetary nav mesh makes the designer able to put life on the location. Before, it was just kind of a ship just there on the ground, but what we wanted to do is to create a link between the ship and environment around. decided to make them more like a settlement to have like more story around them it's like walking in the woods and just 
Sometimes you just found their old cards all rusty there with the leaves and the trees all around. That's the kind of feeling we wanted to do with, with the, the lyrics. For us designers, a lot of opportunity to make the location more FPS friendly with cover, more like mission friendly so we can add stuff on top of that. When you will arrive at the, at the crash, you will see a big trail on the ground. So if you look behind the ship, you will see all the big tree, but in, in the trail, all the trees will be small and we, we're going to have just small rocks and grass and it's the purpose the ship was there. When you go back in the ship, because you will be able to go back in the ship, you will rediscover the ship as you were before, but in the older version. That tell a, a lot of story about uh, the old technology, kind of giving a second life to the ship. We got an update on the planetary nav mesh now on the planet, so we are allowed to put AI on the ground. Putting NPC in this location that are park air, trying to take the best of the location, scavenging for resources. So when you will arrive there, you will feel that some people living there since a long time. That's going to give you a feeling that all that place around is just kind of habitated by some people. The mission we're going to do on those ships, if it's a hostile mission, we're going to have some kind of faction there. It's living there, we'll just to take control of the ship. And it's not a hostile mission, there's going to be a different kind of faction. We see all the feedback we receive on January when we start like showing the concept of the derelict settlement with the AI team for the planetary nerve mesh and all the team in Turbulent who was able to like uh, create uh, habitation module. We have tools now to be able to generate and procedurally place all this work on the planet. It's just the beginning of the long-term plan that we have in mind to populate and uh, add more and more location uh, in the PU. And uh, I'm super proud of my team to do it. And that with the design team, the art team, we work super hard, pretty proud of it. And I'm sure that people will enjoy it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> The new inhabited derelict settlement for 317.2 is not the only one that will be present in this patch. We will let the player discover them and find them in the universe. The Crash Reclaimer derelict settlements are just one of the new mission-enabled, gameplay-focused environments from Turbulent arriving in the upcoming Alpha 317.2. And we encourage you to explore the stand system and find additional ones on your own. Hint, some of them are still floating out in space. And when you're done exploring, the fine citizens of Orizon will need your help when the newest dynamic event pits the dreaded Ninetales against Crusader's security forces. Now, while we'd prefer you discover most of the details for yourself on the PTU and live servers, we do have a brief introduction to perhaps the biggest and most elaborate mission in Star Citizen yet. Siege of Orison is an event where we take away all of your most overpowered toys, which are your ships. You actually have to use your reactions and your guns and your teammates to hopefully survive this perilous encounter. We wanted to do what for FPS combat we did for ship combat with Xenofret, push it to its extremes. So without spoiling the event, uh, the Siege of Horizon is a dynamic event 
which takes place around Horizon on some floating platforms owned by Crusader. And, you know, we shuttle players in to help out Crusader take back their islands. When we was making the mission, we wanted to, I mean, first of all, we wanted to make a, a fun mission that pulled people in together to play together, you know, experience something they might not have normally. In most missions, you go up against 10 AI and you really don't get challenged. A lot of our missions do a lot of hand-holding where we mark everything for the player and, you know, they can sort of disengage to a level and just like walk to a marker and, you know, presume the rest of it. This one I wanted to kind of go, right, here's no markers. Now think and try figure it out for yourself. The event is primarily a PvE mission. There are systems in place to discourage PvP. It's not something we protect against because we want the players to protect themselves from it. We're not discouraging it, but we're not actively supporting it yet. There's a lot of new spaces we've made for us in, and working with design on, on the block out and still making sure it's all in keeping with, with what Orison is. We look to expanding the visual library of Orison. What we really liked was the contrast of this, this kind of idyllic, you know, relaxing garden platforms floating around and, and this kind of battle scarred you know, damage and things like that adding to them. So it, it, was a, it was a lovely kind of contrast to put in. We don't normally have content of this scale. The main challenge or the main challenges were performance. By moving it far enough away from like the center of the city of Horizon, we managed to um, avoid most of that. You know, having this here helped to improve and push performance because we found issues and we was able to quickly fix them. The experience I hope players get is enjoyment, mostly. I want players to feel fun and create like emergent stories with their friends that they can, you know, tell on Reddit or through videos and whatever. Just have fun, really. I, I want them to see all the effort that has gone into like healing and gunplay and AI over the years that you may not notice fighting against a small amount of people. Events in general are great because they pull people who might not play with each other together. You all feel like this comradeship trying to push forward against this enemy that you all have in common. It's an experience unlike any other in this game. So what did we learn this week? Well, we learned that those fantastic derelict concepts we showcased earlier this year are already making their way to the Persistent Universe and that they're coming along with new missions and gameplay made possible by the new dynamic planetary nav mesh. And that the Siege of Orison is the next big step forward towards bringing additional gameplay to Star Citizen's existing landing zones. Now, don't forget, there are a number of contests going on for both Alien Week and our upcoming Battle of the Bricks, which will see the community teams from both Star Citizen and EVE Online come together in a live stream on July 22nd to raise money for charity. You can learn all about both of those things on the robertspaceindustries.com website. For Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. This is the very noisy ninth floor of the Manchester Goods Yard building, soon to be home for our Manchester studio. And what, what goes in the center here where all this noise is? It's gonna be something to see when the time comes. We'll see you all next week. Amanda, just use whichever one of these has the least interruptions. <laughs> We're not gonna get this clean.
Wow. Pardon me. Fish tacos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was Inside Star Citizen. Uh, I'm going to just tee it up by saying that at this point, with regard to Star Citizen, whenever I see one of these videos and I start hearing Frenchies talk, when I start hearing, oh, yes, we are trying to work on this, I get fucking excited because that uh, Montreal, I think, studio, they are fucking killing it. Every last thing that they go to do, they get it done on time and better than what we expected to see. That's just my very first takeaway. I want to then toss it to everybody and hear your guys' impressions of that. Uh, hop in here. Oh, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, Turbulent is mostly made up by ex-Ubisoft employees who mm -hmm. actually you know, do what they want to do and the way they want to do it without being, you know, old stupid stuff. So they like go forth and make things, and they have, and it's fantastic. Like every like, has there been one thing that they haven't done that's amazing? Like every last project that they get. If I look on the roadmap thing and I see, oh, like they're handing it over to Turbulent Montreal, I'm like, well, that's going to be good. <laughs> I just know right away. <laughs> yes, no, the, the whole thing is great. The, the Davmesh, the the Orison, you know, like Battlefield, you know, twenty nine fifty two on an epic scale. Mm. Uh, it's just gigantic. The first platform I was with earlier today. Look around. It's it's huge. It's like the this is the smallest of the of the four platforms in the Siege of Orison. And it's just it has multiple buildings, multiple levels, multiple air it's just huge. And I'm like, this is a crazy <laughs> giant map uh, to do an FPS PvE content on. Mm. Uh, and they're doing it in this kind of game in oh, in Orison. It's just it's just the culmination of years of work to put this together to make it functional. Okay. Right on. Anybody else want to hop in on anything they saw in that? Oh, th this whole patch, it's almost like they designed it for me. I mean, the Siege of Orison, the AI on the ground around colonial settlements and everything. It's it, This is going to be a big step forward again. Another big step forward, I think. Right on. Uh, Katie? Yeah, in Skunkworks, um, our ground troops are called raccoons and... Mm -hmm. We've all been saying this is a raccoon patch because it's it's like a dream patch for us in that there's so much new on foot content coming. Um, we did a test run of the Siege Robinson PTU a few weeks ago, and performance at the time was pretty wasn't great during mm. the like on the test of the event. I think that's why it got delayed. It's because FPS and AI responsiveness were quite low, but I'm very optimistic that when it launches proper, um, it will be an amazing event. Like even even with those issues, it was still like one of the most fun nights we've had. Um, so yeah, lots to be excited about. Nice, nice. Anything else on this ISC before we move on? So with the derelicts, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I've I've been playing Star Citizen uh, on and off every every night, other night. Mm -hmm. But I've been just doing. <laughs> Spaceship, fly around, combat, go look at cool shit, kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, I, I'm hesitant to get out on my feet and do things because I want to be a spaceship pilot. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I want out of my spaceship games, um, and it is my personal play style. Nothing wrong Seeing with that. Seeing the stuff with the derelict 
and being able to go explore it and salvage stuff out of it and do other things. That is how you get me out of my seat and onto my feet. Well, hold on. Not necessarily, Wolf. It might get you out of your seat and into space because these derelicts include not only derelict crashed on the ground, but derelicts floating in space that will have you getting out of your seat and EVAing and flying Naomi Nagata style from one spaceship to another outside, although with a helmet, thank God. And literally floating your way over to a wreck in space and shooting people in the face to get stuffs. That's fucking awesome! Not gonna lie, the thought of EVAing terrifies the living shit out of me. Oh, it's it's fine. It's super easy. It's um, fine. In, in Star Citizen, and I think, I hope, that years down the line when they get more finished with the game, there will be, like, it will be sort of contingent upon you having a thruster pack or whatever but as it stands now just every every suit even just the the base like suit you have invisible little thrusters so if you push like i want to go in that direction magical invisible fairy thrusters just thrust you in that direction it's super super easy it's super cool the only part that's a little challenging from it is as you're flying, you do have sort of physics involved. So as you're going faster and faster and faster, once you cross the threshold going from like EVA, magical fairy thruster space, into now I've crossed the line and gravity applies and now I'm on this ship, you like crumple fall in weird ways that sometimes can kill you. But like, it's super fucking awesome. As someone who has for years wanted to EVA and to run around in my ship in Elite Dangerous. When you get to do it in Star Citizen and you're like flying from your ship to another ship and then whatever, it's just so fun. It's so fun. I, unlike Wolf, I want all of it mm -hmm. from space to ground and back again. Mm -hmm. And I think some of my, some of the most fun I've ever had in this game has been in, has been in space and I remember the first time that I did one of those missions to look for the crew of a destroyed ship and you're EVAing through the wreckage and sunlight from the Stanton Star coming in through the windows and, you know, bodies and things floating around. It was just the atmosphere of it all. But one of my most fun things was actually playing with Katie. Uh, I think she might remember this. My freelancer being mm. shot at and oh. you and getting on to the freelancer while <laughs> it was being moment. shot at epic moment like that was one of that was one of the early uh, uh my early sessions in star citizen and you mm. were like you were like instrumental rain in showing me through a lot of the early stuff and that was one of those epic moments that just really like bonds you to the game and bonds you to the people you're playing with yeah mm. fantastic you, you put a video of it up too i um, do there is a video somewhere yeah and, oh, yeah. and uh, God, that was like a year ago. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing that has been missing the most is, as some people have been talking about with Starfield, is it's going to happen. Outside of the cities, bunkers outside of the points of interest, the planets are dead. Duh. That's not CIG's fault. That's space. I, I think people just don't get that. Yeah, space is empty. Mm -hmm. All these people that are like, these planets have to be really interesting and really blah, blah, blah. Space is empty. What do you want? I don't know what you want. I think this, though, 
is is a perfect example of actually no i want this i want these derelict ships that people have claimed they're outlaws or they're uh, settlers or they're homesteaders or what have you places for us to go and the most important thing is somebody who's been here since day one that i have been waiting for is to see ai outside of cities on the ground with us just out driving flying dropping off reinforcements during fights with drop ships like it's just i'm so very excited but i'm still taking a break until 4.0 comes out okay super exciting let's see where it goes next up we've got uh and i'm posting a link for you right now in the chat and let's test this new asset that we have let's see if we can make this work i put it to here and then i do this to here hey it worked <clears throat> all right so there was a link that was posted in the spectrum and this is the star citizen uh subreddit so in spectrum they said no scl this week okay but in the star citizen subreddit xylo posted oh okay just curious, what if we made SEL bi-weekly, which would be a break for dev and allow us our full potential on content planning? Secondarily, what if we rotated SEL with a Let's Play show with our community team, question mark? We could play the game with chat and even folks from our player experience team. Thoughts, question mark. I'm just thinking out loud on the internet here, folks. Now, Zylo is the community manager, like the head community manager. He took over when uh, Space Dad, why am I blanking on his name, Disco Lando, uh, moved on from being the head community manager and he moved to being specifically the head of the like video footage whatever team. He's the creative content lead. Yeah. Zylo took over as the community head community manager so this is not some rando talking about it this is a this is the guy who is literally in charge of this shit i mean you know subbed to chris roberts and whoever else in the corporate structure handles that but this is him saying this now to be clear let's be very very clear here they're saying what if we were to do it every other week and mix in let's plays kind of thing <clears throat> I like it as it is now me personally but this is different than when Elite did it because Elite what they did was number one they don't have anything like ISE this is not taking away from ISE Jared would still be doing ISCs every week this is saying for the SCL which is the hour long let's get together with a couple of devs and chat thing that they do what if we were to intersperse that with some Let's Plays that had people in the team actually... Now, this is different than when Frontier does it, where they're like, okay, we're going to do a Let's Play, and we're going to ignore the chat where they're asking about stuff. This is a Let's Play where they're actually talking about stuff. I currently like it as they have it set now, and if I got my druthers, I would appreciate it if they were to continue to do it as they do it now, but it wouldn't 
break my heart if they were to make this change because we would still have the ISCs. That wouldn't change. And the SCLs would just be a matter of sometimes you have a roundtable discussion and sometimes you have a let's play where you have some people in to actually still handle chat things. So like, this is different, you know? I don't know. But what do you guys think? Does anybody have anything? Or if you don't have an opinion on this, then we can just move on. But does anybody have an opinion on this? Yeah, I think it's a good idea, um, too. There's a lot of new content coming constantly. I think it would be a good idea for people who know how to play the game who work for CIG to show them, hey, here's the new content. Let's do a run-through of, like, you know, some of the less spoilery stuff, like, you know, a derelict ship, because, you know, you go and you shoot stuff, and it's like, just, or some of the lesser-known things, or just whatever the audience wants to see. Uh, and they would actually be able to do it right, because a lot of these employees will stream them, stream this on Twitch anyway. Um, and they can do it in a more official capacity. And it'll, it'll allow more time to do the Star Citizen lives with more planning and prep time than every single week because an hour-long show with all the questions and all the prep time it's a lot of time taking away from development uh, for for certain people uh, uh, but it might, might be a good idea if they pull it off right yeah i also think a let's play could be a good idea so if you search for something on youtube you get 20 videos from <coughs> like 20 different versions and if you're new to the project you don't know where the heck to look but if they have a let's play show every couple of weeks then that's a destination for you players to go to see the new features and ask for questions there direct and get the right answer hopefully there you go so I'd, I'd, I'd go with it yeah alright Rain I um, actually like it I think it would be a better overall a better experience and um, I don't know maybe help counteract some crap too if, if the community team is actively playing the game a couple times a month too people would be able to see that and you know i don't know maybe stop some of the nonsense that we've been getting i doubt it but i think it would be better to see them more engaged with the community okay right on i have to be honest i only watch isc i don't watch the live one um right but maybe i should start watching that as well i respect you come from this whole experience from a different standpoint and i respect it honestly uh katie where you're like i don't want to get into the weeds of the development i just want to play what we have and the more time has gone on the more i've come to sort of see the value of that but, but the yeah. funny thing is i i do after after a year now i i am i have dipped my toes into you know, the future speculation and, and learning things about the project, not to any degree, like certainly not to the degree of depth that the other people in the channel do. Hmm. Um, but um, but I, I, I just find that I, I've, I have a very short attention span, I think is what it is. <laughs> I need things to be super condensed so it just, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> So let's move on to the roadmap roundup. Here we go. Uh, looking at the roadmap roundup here as we go through, let's just look at the notable changes because we've got a we got a lot of stuff to get to. Colonies, colonialism outpost derelict. 
implementation of derelict outposts. Uh, okay, let's just skip ahead. This feature has been added to 317 column and is targeting delivery in Q2 in 317.2. So this is what we talked about, adding in the colonial outposts and the dropship and ANI. AI reinforcements, enabling AI ships to land and deliver reinforcements to non-structured ground areas, such as planetary terrain, where a predefined landing area and assistance for air traffic control is not available. Again, they're targeting us for 317.2. Um, Rain, why don't you just talk us through those two changes specifically, briefly, and then we'll move on. So, uh, sorry, the the AI dropship and the colonialism outposts. Mm -hmm. Those two. Okay, yeah. Um, no, the uh, the the dropship tech is going to be fantastic. You're how going to have a? I hope if it goes the way that I think it's going to go, this will be in three seventeen point two. You might be doing a mission that might see instead of a spawn closet, a dropship come in and drop off group reinforcements to attack you. That's going to be fantastic. That's going to make the battlefield more dynamic, more alive. I'm sure that this, the skunks are going to have an absolute field day with, with that because it's <laughs> going to be training just, you know, under real live combat conditions. And the colonialism outposts, again, more of that, you know, where people talk about, hey, the planets are empty, they're dead, there's nothing there. Well, now there is going to be. There's going to be outposts. They're, they might be derelict and abandoned. They're all both of these things. CIG can put missions to. They can put loot at. All kinds of cool stuff. It's going to be fantastic. And it's coming very soon. Hell yeah. Next up, we've got Alien Week to talk about. All right, so there's three points to Alien Week. First is the ship sales. They had a bunch of ships on sale. Some of the ships went up in price, like the Banu Merchantman went up to, what, 600 from 550. Um... Other ships continue to go up. Last week, there was a whole ISC that was an in-depth 22, 23-minute long look at the Banu Merchantman. There was some community, how do I want to say it, controversy. I think everybody liked, for the most part, what they saw in the internals of the Banu Merchantman, but a lot of people thought that the externals the the outer shell of the banu merchantman went from being a very alien looking ship to a sort of it, it was like apple made a thumb drive it was a very it was a very origin looking sort of crusadery origin hybrid looking external of the banu merchantman now in fairness those people that are going on about that, like that change happened a while back and it's just that people are seeing it now, but like they, they made that change a while back on the external view. I personally like the older concept art look of the Banu Merchantman ship. I think the older one, the newer one looks very much like a duck face, very much sort of non alieny. I like the older version, but like, I'm not making this game, man. People are going to, I think it's probably going to see more changes as it goes on, but like, whatever. Um, let me check real quick the recording booth to see if anybody has anything on this. Nope. All right. So we have, in addition to the ship sales, we have the Xi'an message 
which is up on the screen now. Uh, the Jian, it's a very, it looks kind of a, like a cross between Japanese with, uh, uh, what is it, the, the written, so Japanese has kanji, katagana, and hiragana. This is more like yes. kanji, but crossed with Korean, where it has more straight lines and less angly looking whatever. So it's like a hybrid of kanji and, and Korean. Um, and there is the actual text along with below is the phonetic translation and the translated to English, which is basically, Hey man, watch out for humans. Cause some of them are racist as fuck and they're called Xenothreat and they are racist. And if you have to run away, then run away. Um, yeah, here is the link to the that uh the Xi'an message and the banu message both which i'm about to show you control v there we go and then here is the banu message which is still being worked on translation wise the banu message is interesting because it's a mix between if you look here as you can see it looks like a a, a cross between Ancient Hindi, Egyptian, like some kind of a Sanskrit kind of whatever, and the 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 markings that the what is it the Babylonians or the Tyrians used. It's a much more pictographic, but like in a non-Asian style, a much more sort of ancient Middle East style. Very cool, still being worked on on the translation. Um Okay, Rain, hop in on this. What I see you have a dot in there. What's your thoughts on this? First of all, I think it's funny that the um, actual uh, thing that they that they call us is human. Human, um, kind of funny. Yeah, it's H U Y. I mean, human. I think it's hilarious. But mm -hmm. um, one thing I wanted to like, it, I hope everybody understands. If you're a lore nerd, this is the level of detail the lore team's going to. Mm. Like, full-on languages, full-on cultures, things that you can, languages you can learn. You can learn Shan, you can learn Banu, you can learn to speak them and carry on conversations with people. And I don't know if that will ever be something we'll have to worry about in-game or not, which is actually one of the things that I wanted to bring up with these, with these messages coming out in Banu and Shan. Um... And, and and ask you, Kai, and the rest of the show, do you think we're actually going to have to worry about this in-game? Like, if, if like we go to a an NPC and they don't speak common, basic English, whatever, we're just not going to know what they, they're saying unless we somehow learn it as a character, like a little RPG mechanic? Or do you think it just it won't matter? I, I think it won't matter. I think there'll be some form of translator version-y, whatever. I mean, we have now with Google Translate, you can highlight a thing and it'll translate. And you're talking about a thousand years in the future. These guys are going to have the ability to whatever. Whenever I see this stuff, I there's a video. I don't know what it was. It was a meme or whatever. It was like a black dude at like a Star Trek convention or whatever. That was like full-on Klingon. Like he, he was like role-playing... I don't what's the cosplay cosplay that's the word he was cosplaying as Klingon and he was like kapla motherfucker and like I, that 
that just always makes me giggle. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I like this. I love the Jian stuff. I love the Banu stuff. These guys are doing exactly the full-on Klingon whatever. Like, the Star Trek did it first in, like, the 80s, 90s, where they were like, Klingon is an actual language. Here's the context. Here's the verbs. Here's the whatever. Here's the vowels. Here's the verbs. Here's the adjectives. You can whatever. And then you had these, like, you know... What was that Big Bang Theory style nerds or whatever that were like they like learned it and they were like cookie clack cloak clack cloak clack clack whatever and it was like you know whatever the 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 rain falls mainly on the plain in Spain or whatever like legit that's how serious these guys are taking this shit I will never learn to conjugate in Klingon or Banu or Xi'an. But I love that it's there for those people that get that deep into it. I think it's just amazeballs. So I, I just wanted to highlight that as a little thing with regard to Alien Week. Like, I want to open this up now. Please put dots in the recording booth. Anyone who wants to comment <clears throat> on the ship sales, the Jian thing, the Banu thing. The ship sales part of it is like standard CIG making money. The... Banu and Jian messages are, I think, it's neat. I, I, I just like that they're, for those people that are super, super lore nerdy, I love that this shit with this weird pictographic whatever is in. And they, they literally publish their own Rosetta Stone where it's like, here's what this one particular pictograph means. And then you sort of... Can they give you the opportunity to translate? Uh, real quick, let's go around. We're gonna keep it brief because we gotta hop into the start field thing. But uh, Chad, I just think it's great that they took the time and effort to make these two alien languages, and they're very, very different mm -hmm. in their approach to how the language is written and interpreted. If you look at the raw interpretations of Bando, it's like really different alien. Like mm -hmm. they made a huge effort to make it as. As not so, like, here's exactly the same syntax as English. No, it doesn't work that way. Nope. Um, uh, and they're but, both uh, pictographic languages. Like, Jian yeah. is, like I said, it's a hybrid between uh, kanji, which is a Japanese uh, a language that is based on Chinese, uh, uh, like a derivative of Chinese, and Korean. It's like a hybrid of that. And then Banu, which is a hybrid of, like, ancient Mesopotamian, Hindi, and Egyptian, like, all sort of mixed in. Like, it, they're, they're, not only are they different, but they're different in how they're different, which is very fucking cool. Like, I, I'm not a smart guy, but, like, for smart people, that's interesting. Go ahead, Chad, I interrupted you. That's okay. Um, so the, uh, they'll continue to do these lore messages, of course, and everyone will tackle the translations. And it's just basically Bando talks about business and beware of the bad humans, and then Gian are like beware of the bad humans, and and so on. And but mm -hmm. this will continue on for as long as the game runs, and that's really cool. Wolf. Yeah, I was just looking at both of these, and I've I've dipped my toe into the the lore. Of Star Citizen, I I am a Lord nerd. I love a good fucking story, and mm -hmm. them hybrid like completely agree. Xeon looks like a hybridization of Kanji and Hangul. Um, 
for whatever reason, Banu kind of sort of reminds me of a couple different things, but I can't put my finger on it. But the fact that they developed two languages in which to portray the lore for each of those sides and just use English for the humans in the in the party, mm -hmm. um, it, that's a level of detail you don't see very often. And that could be absolutely amazing later on. I mean, it's neat now. It could be just mind-blowing later. Hell yeah. All right, hopping on to the next thing. We got our sneak peek, which was this is literally like a backpack or like, sorry, a battery pack of uh, let's let's call it a magazine for for lack of a better term. That's plugged into what is very clearly a laser rifle and the battery. If you zoom in, it says like, hey, man, only use properly licensed chargers or this shit may blow up. <clears throat> Just this is the official sneak peek for the week from Star Citizen. I just want to hop in and say like, this right here is interesting for the per for the fact of, and I wanna I wanna give proper credit to Admiral Kusanagi uh, from the uh, and from the entire Soul Citizens team. When you look at the actual sort of here is the rifle that I believe is involved, which is the uh, Volt Parallax rifle. This is concept art of the rifle. Here is the rifle, but the purpose of sh highlighting this particular sneak peek is the small, you have to zoom in to see it, the warning sign that's upside down says, do not use unlicensed battery chargers. This may cause battery damage or explosion. So... This is Star Citizen highlighting the aspect that these these magazines for laser rifles, like there's a there's a a a a, 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 a sort of thing of you'll be able to plug them in just like your iPad or your iPhone, you can plug it in and recharge it to charge up the quote unquote bullets of the laser rifle <clears throat> so it, it it like a like a kinetic rifle it has a limited amount of capacity like you can fire 200 times before or 50 times before you need to recharge but but unlike a regular rifle where you need more bullets to to whatever you can plug this in theoretically to your ship or to a place on a station to recharge the magazine capacity so this is, I think, the the rifle that they're referring to, and this is a new game loop of you can recharge your rifle by plugging it into your ship or to a wall charger of some sort. But they're saying, hey man, use the officially licensed stuff to charge this or it could be problems. Neat shit. Uh, let me check the recording booth. All right. Nobody has a thing to add to that. So let's move on again. As I said, elite dangerous, we're not covering anymore. <clears throat> so now let's hop into the main discussion topic of the night, which is going to be Starfield. Now let me hop into 
real quick the asset for that. I'm just going to play this in the background so you guys can see it while we talk. I hope to God this works without there being a problem. Asset 4. All right. So, Starfield had their big thing. We would have covered it last week, but no show because my computer broke. <clears throat> Let's talk about Starfield. Let's talk about what we saw. Let's talk about what it is. And most importantly, let's talk about what it's not. Now, I just want to frame this discussion by saying, man, I've seen a whole lot of Starfield discussions where they're like, this is a Star Citizen killer. This is an Elite Dangerous killer. This is a No Man's Sky killer. This is a X, insert X here, killer. And I just want to say, we've not seen enough of any of this to say it is or it isn't. If you think that Starfield is the next, you know, savior of the space game genre, you're fucking reading into shit you haven't seen enough to know. If you think that Starfield is dog shit, you're fucking reading into shit you haven't seen enough to know. If you think that Starfield is an X-game killer, you're fucking reading into shit you haven't seen enough to know. Here's my feel based on seeing this stuff and following the development, seeing the different interviews and... Uh, alternate stuff that's come out about it number one starfield isn't primarily a space game it is not primarily a space game or a space sim more particularly if you think this is a star citizen killer you're just dead wrong here's why starfield is a single player game star citizen is an mmo so there, you're uh, right off the bat. You're comparing apples with Volkswagens. They don't even—they're not even on the same scale. They can't possibly be compared. Number two, if you're like, well, I want to compare Starfield to Squadron Forty Two. So you're right. They are both single-player games. But Squadron 42, as Chris Roberts has said, is a highly cultivated, very linear, single-player game experience. So, Squadron 42 is way better than Starfield will ever be at a highly cultivated, linear, single-game experience. It's If you played Wing Commander back in the day, Wing Commander was, you do this mission, then this mission, then this mission, then this mission, and it all followed through. If that's what you want, a very linear, single-player, cultivated story that, that tells you, like, if you fail at whatever, start back again, because you have to finish this thing before you can get to that gate. 
Squadron 42 is a hundred times better than Starfield will ever be. If alternatively what you want is a more sort of Skyrim, you can do it in whatever the fuck order you want experience, then Starfield is a hundred times better than Squadron 42 will ever be. I want to bring up something that I think will be very controversial to some people, but I just want to bring it up. Bethesda games are really good role-playing games, RPGs. They do sort of a hybrid between a sandbox of do it whatever you want in whatever order you want and a theme park of here's the main story. Now, Todd Howard has said in interviews that Starfield is going to be a hybrid of those two. It's going to be like a little bit like Daggerfall, which is completely theme park, do whatever the fuck you want and whatever you order you want, which is an old, old school Bethesda game. And Skyrim, which was sort of much more... It, it was it didn't force you to do things in a certain order, but it had a very strong story arc that you were sort of encouraged to follow along. So in that way, I honestly think that this is not Starfield is not a space game. Starfield is an RPG that is set in space. Whereas Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, No Man's Sky, sort of Less No Man's Sky. Honestly, No Man's Sky isn't a space game. No Man's Sky is a planetary exploration game, in my view, that happens to be set in space. You go in space just to get to the planets where you do stuff. I think Starfield is going to be much more like that. You go in space, for the most part, for the purposes of getting to the planets. But there, Starfield is going to be much more more sort of a hybrid where they do have some specific space locations that you're supposed to go to and some specific space things you're supposed to do. You know, so I know I'm rambling a bit. Starfield is not and never will be a Star Citizen game killer. People are like, well, this kills Star Citizen. No, it's not. They don't in any way compare. Star Citizen, honestly to a lesser extent, but it's still true, is not even a Squadron 42 skiller, killer. They're two very different experiences. Star Citizen is in no way a No Man's Sky killer. They're very, again, very, very different experiences. Star Citizen, sorry, Starfield has much more of a, a story that you're following, and you can choose to follow it in different ways, but you're following a story. No Man's Sky is dog shit on story. It is amazing on exploration. So, like, they're they're not in any way comparable. Elite Dangerous and Starfield don't even really compare in my mind. Except for the fact that because the only reason why Star Citizen, Starfield Jesus, could be a Elite Dangerous killer is because Elite Dangerous has written off their 
console community completely and Starfield can pick that up. But the two are not comparable. Starfield is a cultivated story game where you can just take it in whatever order you want. Elite Dangerous is a 100% sandbox game. So if you're a PC player, they don't scratch the same itch. They could theoretically scratch the same itch for console players only because Elite Dangerous has written off their console players. You know, so in all of these situations where you have people saying that this is the that killer, it just does not fit with the one possible asterisk of only Elite Dangerous, only for console players. Now, having queued that up, I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I posted in the Discord link, I had like 10, 20, whatever, I just posted like the first 10 pages, I had like 20 plus pages of, I was going to go through this Starfield, you know, stream like the Zapruder film, and say like, you know, frame by frame by frame, and here's where, hey, the ammo count has gone up, the ammo count has gone down, weird esoteric shit like, hey, look at the, the, the VIN number, on the spaceship they showed in Starfield. That just happens to be the patent number that the Wright brothers used to patent their plane, the first actual air fucking airplane. Like, I had tons and tons of minuscule, weird, esoteric notes, but because my computer died, we weren't able to put out a show last week, which was when everyone was talking about all of the weird, esoteric shit on Starfield. So I was like, let's just switch it up and go with a much more generic much more panel-oriented conversation, like more organic conversation about Starfield. You cannot fly down and land exactly where you're on the planets. Todd Howard has specifically said that the transition of flight, at least on launch, to specific locations is going to be a cutscene. Okay. This isn't a hotas hosas game like Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous. It is much more arcadey on the space flight like No Man's Sky. Okay. It has a much better story, coherent story, than Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous and for sure No Man's Sky ever will. Okay. There's pluses and minuses to all all of this this is not a space sim game this is a much better story built much more modular on like compare building a ship in starfield to star citizen starfield is way better than star citizen will ever be why because Starfield is a single-player game. If you give players the absolute ability, the freedom to make any ship they want completely modular in an MMO, in a real MMO, which is what Star Citizen is, then every last player in the fucking universe will have the exact same meta-build ship, which is the min-max best ship, which will be dog shit and boring in an actual MMO experience, which Star Citizen provides. This is more about building a customized and cult, like a, a, a cultivated single-player experience, which is what Starfield is providing. 
All right. Uh, I'm going to start by introducing the subject, and then we'll bring it around. Uh, but let's start with Wolf. This is now going to be, for the purposes of this discussion, no more dots. Let's hop in and have an organic, organic conversation. But, like, let's let's go around. Wolf, start us off. Yeah, I just... I don't understand why sensationalist news tactics has just absolutely pervaded common vernacular in thinking. It's a new thing. Appreciate it for what it is. If, at the very least, it's another thing that you can do within the genre of space games. Mm. The whole thing of, hey, it's gonna kill this, or oh, it's gonna replace that, blah, blah, blah. Unless a game goes away, a new game will not kill or replace it. Yeah, the only It doesn't thing, matter what the genre is. The only thing that can kill Star Citizen is Star Citizen. The only thing that can kill and I think potentially did kill Elite was Elite. Like you're absolutely mm -hmm. right of like there's no need to constantly compare and whatever. Uh Rain. What was just on that real quick, it was the it was the same thing with World of Warcraft, right? Like people talked, oh, this is the next WoW killer, this is the next WoW killer, this is the next WoW killer, while Blizzard was killing their own game, mm -hmm. and a half a dozen other games weren't talking smack, and they were just nose to the grindstone. And now Black Desert's player numbers are up. Final Fantasy XIV is the most played MMO in the world. Mm -hmm. ESO is now over 30,000 active players through Steam. Right now, as we speak, over 30,000 active players. And that's not might not sound like a whole lot, but trust me, it, it is, right? EVE Online has seen player growth. Like, all these other MMOs who've been here for years and years and years just doing what they do, caring about their community, and, this, and WoW killed itself. So, you know, I agree with... Wolf Wolf there, but as I put in the channel, this is a project that means the absolute world to me, and I have seen a lot of things, a lot of negativity, a lot of hate, a lot of actually being told by friends, and I mean real friends, and I, I hate to say it that way, but you know, people I've known for like 10 years who, you know, oh, you're just a shill or an idiot or a moron, Todd Howard lies all the time, and I literally spend 30 minutes going, okay, you said he lied here, he didn't. You said he lied here, you can actually do that thing that he said you can do, by the way, if you play the game and stop being an ass. And it's like, why can't people just be happy that we're getting this massive resurgence in space-oriented gaming? I'm almost 40. Most of the people in this chat are around my age, as far as I'm aware of. We, I remember my very first space game was Master of Orion, and after that was Homeworld. And then, I, you know, I was 16 and got a PlayStation 1 with Wing Commander for my birthday. Mm. Like, we've not had this in a long damn time. Okay. This massive resurgence of, of space games. And this is not going to be, and does not need to be, it's that same thing that you talk about, Kai. If this is not, I don't know why people take this as a personal assault on their entire existence. This game does not have to be for you. Yeah. And if it isn't, that's cool. That's fine. But guess what? It is for me, and that can also be cool. Mm -hmm. 
I think so, an interesting yeah. thing about it is I I very much feel that um, people say like, oh, well, this is a Star Citizen killer. Oh, this is an X killer. This is a Y killer. This isn't a space game. This is a RPG. Bethesda does RPGs that is set in space. And what that means is I honestly think that this game, if it is massively successful, which I think it probably will be, I think that this game will bring a lot of RPG players, non-MMO players, or sorry, non-space-nish players to the space genre. If this game is massively successful, I think that this game will see millions of eyeballs. And out of that millions of eyeballs, if 15%, 20% say, oh, that was fun. Played the shit out of that. And what else is in the space genre? Because I had fun flying spaceships and shooting my laser rifle at aliens and whatnot. <clears throat> what else is in that genre? Mm. That will help Elite Dangerous. That will help Star Citizen. That will help Squadron 42. That will help No Man's Sky. That will help any other games, I think, in the space genre. If this game tanks, if this game fails miserably, that will hurt the genre as a whole. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, here's honestly what's going to happen with this game. This game is going to get hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped up to release. This game will release sometime next year. They say in quarter, the first half of the year, but I honestly think it'll be the middle to maybe even the back half of the year. It'll be the summer next year when it launches. This game will get hyped up until release day and even the first week of release. And then it will be panned as absolute dog shit. Because every game that gets dropped now that is big hits that. You get the hype cycle, then you get the hate cycle. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon and then everyone can't wait to trash it. And Bethesda games are known for being dropped as a buggy fucking mess. I think this game will be a buggy fucking mess. I think it will then in one to three to five to six months get fixed like every game does. And then I think in three to six to a year, three to six months to a year mark, modders will add more and more stuff. Like when this game drops as a buggy mess and everyone shits on it, just keep in mind Every fucking game you've played in the last year, with very few exceptions, drops as a buggy mess. This is just the world we live in now. And then in six months, it'll be very playable. In a year, it'll be mod-supported like crazy, as all Bethesda games are. And I honestly think this is going to be an amazing game for what it is. It will not be for the HOTAS players, per se. Like, unless... Like, this is much more of a arcade version of Space Flight. 
but it tells a cool story. It has a ton of game loops. It does neat things. I think that the the planets will feel really, 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 to a certain extent, like No Man's Sky planets of... There's one or two, like, it'll be a hybrid of No Man's Sky planets. 50% of the planets will have one or two key points to go to, and those will feel much more like Skyrim of, like, hey, there's a key location with a story and a good whatever and points and purposes, and it's handcrafted. And the rest of that planet and or the planets that have no key locations will feel like No Man's Sky planets of just, here's some random crap, go and whatever. But I think that a year from then, or, or two years from then, more and more planets will get modded where you're going to have people who say, hey, we made a, here's no, here's the planet of Tamriel from, well, Tamriel was the planet, name of the planet from ESO, right? I think. From the I, Elder Scrolls, yes. Tamriel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, here's a this, here's a that, here's a here's a planet that feels like a like they're gonna mod the shit out of this game where it's like here's a planet that feels like this here's a planet that feels like that and that's amazing that's awesome that's so cool that there's a thriving mod community that makes these games so much more cool and interesting but like go ahead no sorry go ahead i it's just gonna be an interesting combination of you know, Daggerfall, which is old school Bethesda, which was much more sandboxy, which is on the No Man's Sky sort of side of things, and Skyrim, which is much more cultivated, you know, story, which where you could go at things at different areas, at different sort of in different orders, but it had cultivated stories that were pre-baked in. I think. And it's too early to say 100% it's going to be A or B or C or D. But like from the hints that we have, it looks like it's going to be an interesting hybrid of the two, which I think can be amazing, can be very, very cool. Um, I see you had a, a point, a dot in uh, Katie. And then um, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, um, so... About the first of all, I agree with everything Rain said. I agree with everything you said. I think that variety in games is only is only ever a good thing, mm-hmm. um, because you know, especially in the space genre, getting games that cater to every kind of player is great for space games. But even if I don't, I, I agree that the sensationalized claims by by the media regarding Starfield are inaccurate. But like, let's play devil's advocate. Even if they were accurate, even if it was aiming to be a sausage and killer, that's still only a good thing because that motivates mm. all the developers involved on all mm. sides to push harder mm-hmm. and to innovate more and to come up with much more cool stuff. So it's it's win win for the players either way. Hundred mm. uh, percent, Katie, and then uh, Tweet. Oh, I'm sorry, not Katie. Uh, Brain, and then Tweet. Three points that I want to make. Um, number one is that this is a powered project in the same way that Star Citizen is, in, is a Roberts project and Elite is a Braven project. Todd has wanted to make a game like this the entirety of his career, including when they had the Star Trek license and when they made other space games 20, 30 years ago. They trademarked 
the name in 2013. They started production pre-production in 2015. The game was playable in 2018. This is something they have been working on for seven, eight years now. People who seem to be annoyed with Star Citizen doing that. To that um, point, to that to that point, let me hop in that, real quick and say, yeah, they actually approached Todd Howard, approached Chris Roberts to get him to make this before mm-hmm. Chris Roberts started the kick uh, GoFundMe Kickstarter, whatever for yeah. Star Citizen. Bethesda literally approached him and said, "Will you make this game for us?" And he was like, "I kind of got my own idea." Go ahead. Um, I know you're. I mean, you're right. And and the other two quick points, um, and then obviously we'll see what um everybody else has to say about this. But the other two quick points is that we are dealing with a Bethesda game that is in a situation in which we have never dealt with a Bethesda game. One, the fact that they were bought by Microsoft a year ago. Two, this is the first delay, large scale delay, of a Bethesda game studios BGS game ever. Um, and also you've got Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, saying he literally said, quoted, I quote him, I want this to be the most played game ever. There are reasons it's being delayed. And it is quite literally, and every dev says this, but when it's true, it's true. This is the most ambitious, the mo- the largest, the most handcrafted content, the most story they have ever done. And to put that into quick context, this game has over 200,000 lines of dialogue. Fallout 4 was 111,000. And that includes the player character, Nate and Nora. Um, so, and, and more to than be clear, And to be clear, this game will not have a voice player character, which I no, think is a good thing because in having a voice player character, you're forcing the player to be something. You're forcing the player into a box, whereas mm-hmm. in this game, they're going back to more the old school Bethesda roots of... You can sandbox it in your head what your player is, man or woman, gay or straight, this type or that type, rough or caring, this, that, and the other. You more get to dictate that on your own as opposed to the game telling you through the verbiage that's coming out in the screen that you're hearing. Oh, my guy is a, you know, Clint Eastwood type. My guy is a, you know, Tom Hanks type. No, no, you get to write the story yourself, which I think is a strong plus so even though it has more voice acted lines than any bethesda game that they've ever made that's in line with or or that's taking into account the fact that none of those are your own lines that's all just the characters around you so you get to write your own story do you want to be han solo do you want to be luke skywalker do you want to be boba fett those are three different very key character arcs one is a bounty hunter, loner, westerny type, whatever. The other is a scoundrel, you know, heisty type smuggler, whatever. And the other is the, you know, open-hearted, a little bit gullible hero. You know, like those. You get to write your own story. Tweak. Yeah, a couple things. First, I don't even believe, and, and don't get me wrong, I am totally psyched for Starfield. A thousand planets cities on them the planets looked amazing i am all for starfield but i will disagree with you for a minute kai i don't think it's even going to kill elite on console i think a lot of console players are going to take a nice long break and play this but in the end people like to fly with friends they're going to go back to elite until there's another mmo where with a good flight model that you can fly with friends and do different things like that completely fair this being a single player game 
I believe will get a lot of play for a lot of years. The same way I play the Mass Effect trilogy almost every year, this could be the very similar type of thing. Why people insist on saying it's going to do that, I don't understand. It's just because they're in space, it's going to compete with MMOs. They're two totally different kinds of games. Mm. I am psyched for a quality, deep story with some deep RPG elements with, like I said, a thousand planets to go explore and everything. I saw some combat on the ground. I saw, like, xenomorph-type things on the ground there. I am all for Starfield. I can't wait to try it out. Cool. Chad? So with Microsoft owning Bethesda, now you have Microsoft money. Mm-hmm. And they're going to market the crap out of this game. And mm-hmm. it's going to be the gateway drug for other stuff for Game Pass and other space games going forward. Mm. The people know Bethesda. They don't know Elite. They don't know Star Star Citizen. Those are more much more niche games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll, it'll definitely make a ton of money. It looks really cool what it is it's it's skyrim in space which mm-hmm. is fine that's that's what they wanted to make and that's they, it looks like they're going to achieve it hmm. so to say that this is going to kill anything is is just clickbaity um and it's just kind of ridiculous that that uh, these publications are do that kind of thing for for clicks and yeah it's quite know, it's quite the opposite sp- sp- this is this is going to grow the genre this is going to bring players into the, the genre, and then they may it, it could be a elite dangerous maker. It could be a star citizen maker. It could be a squadron forty two maker. Where not for everyone. There's plenty of people that already play each of those games, but there's plenty of people that this could bring to the genre that then opens up the doors to them. Shadow, I pretty much agree with what everybody's been saying. I think Bethesda started with the story idea and then began pulling in the space elements from anywhere that they like look of in order to tell the story. I think once people start playing it, it'll become clear that this isn't going to kill any of the other space games. I think it'll take people away from them for a while until the single player hmm. game's mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And then people go back to No Man's Sky, Star Citizen. Yeah. And back to their MMO worlds. And then when if something cool happens in Starfield, they'll nip back into Starfield. Yeah, I think oh, 100%, 100% this will kill Star Citizen, this will kill Squadron 42, this will kill Elite Dangerous, this will kill No Man's Sky for two to three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm 100% playing. Like right now, me, I'm playing Mars Horizon. I am not playing Star Citizen. I'm not playing Elite. I'm not playing No Man's Sky because I'm playing Mars Horizon. But that's for a short, that's a, for a finite period of time. And then I'm going to come back. Now, there are some players to Bethesda games that, like, they dive in. There's some people that played, like, uh, uh, Skyrim for, like, a year. They played thousands of hours and went into every whatever. And I think, just like Skyrim, this game, Starfield, will have little DLCs that happen over a couple of years time of here's a thing, here's a thing, here's a thing. Some of them will be paid, some of them will be free, whatever. Uh, and, and yeah, it'll rob you of playing star citizen or, or, or this game or that game for a week, two weeks as you play the new content. Yeah, of course that's just common sense, but I don't think that this will kill star citizen for anyone long-term. This will not kill elite dangerous for people long-term. This will not kill squadron 42. 
This game has XP, XP bars. This game has, like, so if you're looking for a cultivated experience where you get to write your backstory on your character, Starfield is better than Star Citizen will ever be because you can pick traits and things where it's like, oh, my character has a plus whatever to shotgun skills and a minus whatever to cooking skills and a plus whatever to, you know, piloting skills, but a minus whatever to fuel efficiency because you can right into your backstory that oh my guy was a medic my gal was a bounty hunter my dude was a fucking fighter pilot my chick was an explorer hauler pilot like that is a way that starfield is better than star citizen will ever be star citizen there you're not getting points to build your character on whatever it's just what you do in real life your skills in game in star citizen are just what are your skills in actually controlling the gun and shooting and or flying and or whatever your skills in starfield are much more like your traditional rpg game of you know oh you killed four guys you level up now your pistol is 10 percent better whatever it's like there's it's again it's comparing apples and volkswagens they're not even on the same scale much less in the same category. It's two different things. It's like saying, well, which one's better, ice cream or steak? Well, what the fuck are you in the mood for? If you want a dessert, ice cream is better. If you want dinner, steak is better. You don't have to always compare shit. That is, again, applying to and and appealing to the most base of tribalistic bullshit whatever of like well you can't you have to pick one what do you like more ice cream or steak and what are you in the mood for right now that's the real answer i think the the the, you know slight disagreement with tweaks here too like obviously we can't get everything from from steam player numbers but the single player games every fallout single player game has seen a rise in player count there are fifteen thousand people playing fallout 4 right now and twenty thousand people playing the elder scrolls 5 skyrim these games are eight and ten years old and there are four thousand people playing elite right now like these games dwarf them so, but what I'm saying, know. Rain, Whoa, is no, no, wait, tweak, tweak, tweak. No, stop. Let Rain finish her point, and then you can make yours. Go ahead. All I was saying is that, like, I, I think the, the, the big saving grace of Bethesda games is, you know, and Todd made this comment that he thinks this is going to be a modder's paradise, a modding mecca. A thousand empty planets is a lot of space for people like me who just got into modding and people mm. who've been modding for years to make a hell of a lot of content. There's a reason that 10 years later, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition has literally five times the active concurrent player base than most other multiplayer games on the market, mm. it, at least on Steam. Now, if you want to see the most played <laughs> multiplayer game on Steam, there are 700,000 people playing Counter-Strike. That's the number one game on Steam right now. Mm. So sure, I get I get that, but I, I just, I caution the, well, single player isn't that big because that has been some marketing speak used before by other companies to, to like, oh, well, single player games don't sell and people don't play them. That's not true. Okay. That they very much do. 
That's my point. Tweet? I agree on almost every point you just made, Rain, except for in the sci-fi area, and specifically Elite Dangerous fans. The people, and I'll just go to console here, the people on console are still playing Elite Dangerous Horizons. They're doing that because they enjoy flying their spaceships mm -hmm. in a very simmy kind of way. So a game like Starfield or Mass Effect 4 or any of those, they're not going to they're not going to quench that thirst, you know what I mean? So there's only one game to go to still until something replaces that. I actually You can throw out all those other fallouts and all those. Those will always be more popular because they're not space games. They're not science fiction. They're, science fiction has almost always got the lower numbers. I'm going to give you the politician's answer now. I think you're actually both right. I think there are some people that will leave Elite Dangerous to play Starfield. And it's not because of what Starfield offers. It's, was, it's because of what Elite Dangerous did. I think there are some people who will say, fuck you, Elite. You wrote me off as a console player, so you're dead to me. I'm dead to you. You're dead to me. And they'll hop into Starfield because of the fact that it's just a new thing, that it's a way to spend their time. I think in that way... Absolutely, Rain is right. I, tweaked I is also it, right. I think Tweaked is also right in the sense of for those people for whom flying with their HOTAS is of key import, this game will not appeal to them. They will see it and go, it's way too arcadey for me. It's way too No Man's Sky for me. I want a full sim game. If what you want as a sim space player is that highly realistic flight model, this game will not appeal to you. I honestly believe that. But there are some players like myself who wants full sim flight in some of their games, but is open to other games that have different experiences that will go, oh, this is great. It's not going to make me stop playing. I'm not going to... I didn't stop playing Elite because Starfield was on the horizon. I stopped playing Elite because Elite pissed me off. I will play Elite if they start doing good stuff. And for sure, either way, I'm going to play Starfield... It doesn't scratch the same itch as Elite. It scratches a different itch. And that's not to say that it's a better or a worse itch. It's just different. I also think, too, that... Um, get my, my thoughts situated here. That, like... Not every space game has to be... This is the biggest question I asked friends of mine who were upset that there was not going to be any seamless space ground transition. Um, Mass mm -hmm. Effect didn't have it. Outer mm -hmm. Worlds didn't have it. Wing Commander didn't. Like, why does every game now? Now that it's possible, and we've seen what from Kerbal Space Program to No Man's Sky to Star Citizen that it's possible that we can mm. do this. Mm. Why do we have to though? That's my big question. Hundred percent. I want to give a special welcome to Griffin Gaming RPG, who just joined us. He of Soul Citizen fans, one of the main hosts at Soul Citizens. Uh, we, we're just sort of wrapping things up. We've been talking about Starfield. 
I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, what, what basically I think what we've come up to is that it is not a space sim game. It is an RPG game that happens to be set in space. It is not Star Citizen. It is not Elite. It is not even Squadron 42, where like one is going to be a highly cultivated story uh, where it's skill-based, and the other is going to be much more of an RPG, much more Skyrim that just happens to be set in space. Uh, I think that brings you up to speed. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Griff. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I was listening in, and a great show so far. Uh, Rain kind of went somewhere where I was going. She said it no better. I couldn't say it any better. Uh, about what you just commented about planetary travel and all that stuff. Uh, I, I agree. Um, I think that there's been, um, <clears throat> obviously, because it's Bethesda and their their history of the games that they made. Hmm. People have been looking for that next big thing, not just the next thing, but the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, Starfield has been hyped up uh, ever since they did their first promotion for it, where they just give us that little 20 second blurb. And then we got the information last year with the first trailer. Uh, then we now we've got it pushed back a year. My only thing I have to say about this in relation to Bethesda is um, I, I'm hoping uh, that they that they do well with this and that they get it right. Um, I, I think many gamers have been disappointed with many of the major AAA companies that have not been able to deliver. Mm. Uh, before, the, the, the worst in delivery used to be just a bad launch day. But we're seeing more and more games that aren't ready when they get launched. Mm -hmm. uh, or finding out later on that the game development was pushed uh, due to the publisher or deadlines. And uh, I'm not going to speak in relation to Star Citizen. I just want to speak to what's going, what has happened in the industry and the frustrations. Mm. Uh, Fallout, when it came out, uh, a lot of frustration. You know, they've worked on it to make it better, but frustration, obviously. Anthem, when it came out, uh, frustration. Uh, Cyberpunk, when it came out, frustration. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, players are, you know, for Bethesda, I don't think they can afford to not deliver. Um, I think that we have to be careful, though, that we don't put the expectation on this game that has been built from the hype of games like Elite and Star Citizen and even No Man's Sky. Mm. Um, we have to treat it as its own game. Bethesda is known for its storytelling. Um, it can look beautiful, but I don't think I think we have to give them the room the, the room to make their own space game. Mm. And let's hope that they do a good job with it, that it's something that we can play, that it'll have the longevity of things like Skyrim, uh, that maybe we'll be able to go back and do it again and do it again. And they'll be able to mod it and do other stuff. Mm -hmm. But a great story game for me is great. As a Star Citizen person, as I'm waiting for Squadron 42, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Uh, but I, I've tried to avoid the comparisons. You know, oh, it reminds you of No Man's Sky. Oh, it reminds you of Elite. Ah, it, it's, yeah, I do have to separate myself from that and really step back a little bit and say, I'm just hoping that, that Bethesda does well and mm -hmm. that when people play it, those who people, like you said, it's an RPG, don't get into it for the accuracy and all this other stuff. If, if, if nothing else, just remember it's about the story. And gamers have kind of forgotten that sometimes. That a lot of times it's about the story. If Bethesda does a good story, delivers in it in a way that players can not only play this once, but can go back. They keep saying... Oh, each player will have their different experience. That's all hype. We hear that with everything, right? Uh -huh. I want them to deliver it. I want them to be able to say that 
I play Starfield once, and when you tell me your story of it, it's entirely different. That makes me say, hey, let me go in there and try something different. It's going to be a huge task to do it. Hmm. But they're also building their own hype. I mean, when you start talking about, oh, we've been thinking about this for 20 years, you got to be careful. Yeah. Because that raises the bar for what people are going to want from this game. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping that they do deliver a good game. That, that's all I'll say about it. In, in, in an interesting way, I, I want to take your point and expand upon it and, and say that people say, oh, well, Todd Howard's a liar. You're right. He is. To the extent that he's a showman, to the extent that he's a salesman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you could, if you want to be uncharitable tar- towards Todd Howard, he's a fucking liar. If you want to be charitable towards him and you would say he's a showman on day one on drop, he under delivers on every project that I think they've ever put out mm-hmm. over the period of time as the game matures and modding comes in and other things come in. I think I would say you may feel differently, but I would say that he goes from massively under-delivering to putting out awesome projects. David Braben, if you want to be uncharitable, is a liar. He said, oh, Elite's going to have this, that, and the other, and it didn't. And some of the stuff has come to fruition, and some of it hasn't. Uh, uh, Sean Murray is a liar. Oh, it's going to have this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. Again, if you want to be charitable, though, he's not a liar. He's a good salesman that eventually delivers on his promises. David Braben is a good salesman who eventually delivers on some of his promises. The one difference between Todd Howard, David Braben, and Sean Murray and Chris Roberts on this one particular project, which is Star Citizen, which is all the rest of them deliver a project or a product within a a finite amount of time, and it is underwhelming and then grows, hopefully later and chris roberts is that he is a liar based on if you want to go based on a time frame of x is going to come out on y date this that and the other he is potentially you know i i you could choose to be unforgiving or uncharitable and say oh this guy's a liar just like the other three are liars in the sense that they make promises on whatever i choose to think that chris roberts David Braben, Todd Howard, and Sean Murray are all showmen. They make promises. They're selling. They're hyping. They're they're doing a good job. And I think that all four of these individuals are, A, geniuses at what they do. I could never do it. B, they have a vision. C, they're getting people on board. Just the exact same way, let's be honest, if we want to include this past the the scope of video games, Elon Musk is a liar. This is going to be done by this date. We're going to, the Starship is going to launch by that date. We're going to have people on Mars on this date. None of it happens based on the timeframes they give you, but they happen eventually. If it weren't for Todd Howard, Sean Murray, uh, uh, Chris Roberts, David Braben, and Elon Musk, the genres that they're in as a whole, whether it's video games or, or, or space travel, would not be advancing. These are the guys that are on the cutting edge, and it just happens to be that they're four men. I, I don't mean guys to mean that only men can whatever. Like, fucking, I don't care. Men, women, whatever. Uh, those people that are on the cutting edge, the bleeding edge of trying to advance any technology of any sense, 
are to a certain extent optimists, showmen, salesmen, and liars, depending on how you look at them, charitably or uncharitably. But if you take any of them away, if you if there was no Todd Howard, the world would be a, bo- a poorer place. If there was no David Braben, oh my God, the world would be a terrible, a, a, a poorer place. If there was no Elon Musk, if there was no Sean Murray, the world would be poorer for it. So those people that are on the bleeding edge are always stretching the truth a little, fake it until you make it, selling optimism, lying, you judge it for yourself. I'm not in charge of how you see the world, but always it's that sort of same or similar flavor of hype, salesmanship, bullshittery, whatever. And that's part of what pushes it forward. Somebody hop in. I got to stop talking. Just so you'll know, I'm playing Power Wash Simulator right now. So (laughs) if you don't have nothing else to do that you want to relax and enjoy while this stuff comes out, hey, find a game that makes you happy. Don't kill yourself Mm -hmm. uh, worrying about this stuff. Um, You know, we're riding on the crest of this whole thing with space genre games. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got some good stuff to look forward to. Let's hope they deliver. So here's a quick question. I've been playing the hell out of MechWarrior lately, and I'm a mercenary in space that pilots giant mechs. Does that count? I think it counts. (laughs) So when you think about it, if you think about it, World of Warcraft is a space game in that it exists on a planet. That planet exists in space. Any game you've ever played, if you want to look at the genre, (laughs) including Power Washer or Goat Simulator or fucking yeah. uh, uh, South Park, the, game the Stick of in Truth. Space. Every game yeah. exists either in space or on a planet, and planets exist in space. So every game is go. in the space genre. I are you space? I am space. <laughs> I am space. You didn't get the reference, did you? I'm drawn. Portal. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. Gonna go to space. Dad, space. Are you, are you space? No, son. I, you know, I thought I'm space. You know, Dad, are you space? Can we go to space? Space. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yes, Final Fantasy fourteen definitely went to space. They went to the moon. We did go to the moon. Yep. It was fantastic. <laughs> All right. I think uh, the show's been going on for long enough, so I'm going to go around the horn and just ask anybody last thoughts on this or anything else before we move on. Hop in, put a dot, say something, whatever. No, everybody's like, fuck it. We're ready to be done. It's late. All right. Let's go around the horn and say goodnight to everybody. Uh, Chad, kick us off. <clears throat> Good night, everyone. Space genre is getting more and more interesting by the day with more titles, more games, small ones like the Mars game that Kai talked about earlier to gigantic games like Starfield. The future is so bright, got to wear... Shades in my space helmet. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Mars Horizon is the game that I talked about earlier, and I'm posting the fucking link again. Go right now and get it for 10 bucks on Steam. You will thank me later. Wolf. Life is good and be excellent to each other. There's so many games to play. Find one you love, and if you can bring friends along with it, the more the merrier. Hell yeah. Griff. 
great show tonight. Got to listen in. Sorry I got here late, but I enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for having me. Griff, it's lovely to have you pop in, whether it's for an hour or for 10 minutes. You're always welcome. And the same is afforded to Katie. Katie, my love, say goodnight to the beautiful people and <laughs> add in any good thoughts night, you have. Good night, everybody. Um, it's been a real pleasure being back. And uh, it's a great time for Space Games. I hope you'll have a lovely weekend. Hell yeah. When are you going to bring your husband on? Bring, bring in Will. Will. Will was technically on the show tonight because he was snoring behind me. I'm not sure if any of this So I'll get him on at some point, I'm sure. Beautiful. Will Rain. is an AI. Rain. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I'm... Hey, Xbox Game Pass on PC is a dollar for three months. One dollar for three mm. months. 400 games. Go get it. I found Battletech. I found a cool little ninja game called Aragami that I've been playing. I've been playing MechWarrior, etc., etc., have fun, enjoy life. Just, just try. The world's kind of shitty right now, so just try and have fun. And you know, much love, everyone. Hell yeah! Shadow Wyvern. Um, great show. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you out. Bye bye. And tweet. It is an amazing time for space games right now. I mean, when you think about it, we have a multitude of games that we've all been dreaming about our whole lives, and they're here now. So it's a good time. I'm looking forward to all of them doing well and pushing the rest of them to get even better. That being said, I'm going to go back and play some Red Dead Redemption later on, I think. So <laughs> have a great week, everybody. Hell yeah. And I'm going to send you off with the classic. Game over, man!